Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about knowing God. Now, let me ask you, and you don't have to answer me, but do you feel like you know God? Do you feel that that's even possible? Do you feel that to the extent that it's possible, you, you know God? Do you, do you feel that you know him as well as you would like to know him? And are you sure of how we even do that? Well, tonight, that's what I want to talk with you about just for a little bit tonight, uh, because God intends for us to know him, not know about him, but to know him. So the question for all of us is, do I know God? Do I know God well enough, and how can I get to know him better? I'm glad you asked those questions. So uh, take a look at your notes with me, because God wants us to know him. There are all sorts of examples in the Old Testament, and they they tend to be, uh, admittedly, before something bad is about to happen to some of God's enemies. And uh, he'll talk about the Egyptians, or he'll talk about, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and then Pharaoh will know that I'm a God, and then Egypt will know that I am God, and then you will know that I am God. Uh, Here's an example. Ezekiel 11, 2. You will be slaughtered. He's speaking to uh, uh, people who are in rebellion. You will be slaughtered all the way to the border, and you will know that I am the Lord. In the Old Testament where it says Lord, that is a, that's a translation of his name, Yahweh, Jehovah, I am that I am. And what he's basically saying is, these things are going to happen to you so that you will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am God, I am Jehovah. It will become known, you will realize that I am Yahweh. In Acts 17, moving up to the, to the New Testament, where we find some of these same things, Paul was addressing a group of people who, who worshipped many gods. And in the middle of the town square was a statue erected to the unknown god. They had so many gods, and they thought, well, let's put one up to the one that we don't even know about, just in case there's one we don't know about. We don't want to make him mad. But Paul saw that as a wonderful opportunity to tell them about God, the God that they didn't know, so that they could know him. Acts 17. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. Well, this God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm about to tell you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. And since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and shrines like you've put up here. He doesn't live in those man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs like we try to do with idols, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise, those nations, and when they should fall, and he determined even their boundaries. His purpose for all of that, notice, intentionality, God's purpose for all of those things was so that the nations would seek after him, seek after gods, and perhaps feel their way or or grope their way in the darkness toward him and find him, though he's not really very far away from any of us. In verse 28, which is not in your notes, kind of sums it up and says, for in him, that God, we live and we move and we exist. That God wants us 
to know him. This passage was written to Gentiles for whom the true God is unknown so that they could begin the process of knowing him. And Paul is saying that God's purpose in everything that he has done was so that you and you and you and you and I could know him. God is knowable. Point number one, how, are, how do we know God? Well, theologically speaking, it happens in a couple of different ways. So one great theological term is natural revelation. God reveals himself through nature. Take a look at Psalm 19. The heavens, the stars, the, the, the skies, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. In the King James, it says, even the heavens declare God's glory. Romans 1.19 talks about people who can know the truth about God but resist it. It says in Romans 1.19, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. God is not hidden. God hasn't tried to keep things from us. He's made things obvious. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky, and through everything that God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. Wow. God wanted us to know, and he reveals himself through his creation. But he also reveals himself through what we call special revelation, that which didn't just come and you ought to be able to see it and you ought to be able to know, but where he actually comes in and speaks to us and shows himself to us, to us through the prophets and through Jesus and through the scriptures. Hebrews 1, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, what are the final days? The days since Jesus came. In these final days, he, God, has spoken to us through his son. Now, this might be a good opportunity for us to take just a little side excursion here and talk a little bit about the relationship between God the Father and Jesus. Because how many of you sometimes really wonder about that? How does all that work, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and three and one, and all that kind of stuff? Am I the only one who struggles with that sometimes? Anybody hear me tonight? Okay, well, let's take a little bit of a side trip, because this is a really important thing for us to understand, even when it's difficult to understand. I don't have the answers, but maybe with what we talk about tonight, this will help you a little bit. So here, here it goes. While God is one being, he exists eternally as three co-equal and co-eternal persons. Who do you know that's like that? Nobody. He's God. He's not like us. But he exists as a being of one who exists as three persons all at the same time. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, in order to understand how that doctrine describes the nature of God, we have to keep in mind the difference between two words, the words being and person. God is one being. He is three persons. Steve, how does that happen? I don't know. There's a tension that we walk in as believers, the tension between what we do know and can know and accept by faith about God and those things that we don't know but we accept by faith in God. There are just some things that will be clearer one day, but in the meantime, I want to tell you it is okay to walk in the tension of that. It's what we get, but it doesn't mean that that it's not true. So here's the distinction between the following terms. There is one God, 
that is the being, but there are three who's within that being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three divine personages, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The being that we call one God has an eternal relationship within himself with the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Father. Father has always been the Father. The Son has always been the Son. The Spirit has always been the Spirit. Three persons within one being. Does that make sense? Hard to understand because there's nothing else like God. But that's the way that that works. All three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, share the one being of God. And three divine persons somehow are one being. Now that's important because that God has revealed himself to us. And even though we can't always understand that, much of what he has revealed to us so that we might know him, he's revealed to us through the prophets, through scriptures, and more recently, through his son, who is God. Now, with that as the basis, that's why Colossians 2.9 can say, for in Christ lives all of the fullness, all of the being of God in a human body. Jesus was fully God, fully man. Make sense? God dwelled fully and completely in him because he is God. He was God. John 1.14. So the word, which is uh, the, the Greek word logos, which means the revealed word, the revealed will, the revealed intelligence of God, which is Jesus. The word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Remember that, by the way, remember that sentence a little bit later. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. In that verse, we begin to catch a little glimpse of two of the persons of the being that we know as God. Romans 1.18, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky, and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, and so they have no excuse for not knowing or understanding God. So God is not hidden. He is not inscrutable. He has gone to great lengths so that we can know him. He wants us to know him, and he wants us to be in eternal relationship with him. Jesus came so that we could know God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you can know him. He wants sinners and enemies and and unbelievers to know that he is God. He wants believers to know and so to love him because he's God and to seek him always. Jesus isn't just about forgiveness. He's about knowing God as well. So how does that work? Very quickly. Number one, it begins in everyone who accepts Christ as their Savior, everybody who makes Jesus Lord, everybody who understands and submits to the Lordship of Christ. It starts by the Father drawing them. John 6, 43. But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said, for no man can come to me, no one can come to me, unless the Father who sent me draws me, draws them to me. And on that last day, I will raise them up. What does that mean? 
the father will draw him. If if you know much about fishing, you know, you can fly cast, you can cast, you can use a net, you can do, but there's a draw net, especially in the Old Testament times or, you know, out in the Middle East where they'd, they'd take a big net and they'd throw it out and they would draw the fish in. When the Bible says that God, the father draws us to Jesus, that's basically what he's doing. Now, you have to be really careful about this because you could get the idea that he draws us one at a time. God's intent is to draw the whole world to him. Not all of us allow ourselves to be caught in the net, but God begins the process by drawing us to Jesus. So God takes the first step, and yet we're going to also talk about the, the, the divine tension there is between what God, must, what God does and what we have to do in order to know God. See, salvation is never achieved apart from the drawing power of God. And it's never consummated apart from the willingness of humans to come to God. It takes both. Who is God drawing? Everybody. God is drawing everybody. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. 2 Peter 3.9. It's not in your notes, but it is in the Bible. And so there, I just said it. So what's our part then? God draws us. What's our part? Number two, we search and seek. We look for God. God wants us to know him because it's his intention to redeem us and to restore us so that that we don't perish. He, he, He wants us to be like him and to live with him. But we have to seek after he draws us to Jesus. We have to seek him out. Hebrews 11, 6, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely or diligently seek him, seek him out. Hosea 6, 3 said, oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in the early spring. We are to press on press toward knowing God. That's our responsibility and something we have to be diligent to do. We don't take it for granted. We press on in seeking him and seeking after him. And as we do, he makes himself known. So let's go back to the beginning. Father draws us. As we're drawn to Jesus, we begin to seek. You don't just receive salvation. You seek it. You look for it. How many of you How many of you just knew one day that you needed Jesus? Three of you. How did the rest of you get in the boat? I don't understand. There there was a time when Jesus, when the Father drew you to Jesus. But there was also a part where you had to seek him. I've told you my story before, but I'm going to tell you again because you can't go anywhere right at the moment. When I was six years old, uh, long story short, I was sitting in our living room at home, and I just knew the, the convincing power of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the draw of God the Father was in my life, and, and the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And at six years old, I mean, I didn't even have a whole bunch of bad things to leave behind me. I just, but I knew. It didn't stop there, though. I went to my mom and said, I just really feel like I need to give my life to Jesus and I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go and I don't want... My mother led me to the Lord that night in our living room, but I was seeking. I wasn't just drawn. 
I sought God. That's a part of the process. So, so, so God begins it. You can't do it without him, but you have to take steps toward him. When you do, number three, the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to you, 1 Corinthians 2.10. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. There's one of those persons in the being. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they work together in this whole process. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's secrets. If you ever have problems when you read your Bible, understanding, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. That's his job. That's what he's there for. And he reveals these spiritual truths to us. And on the day that you knew, you knew that you needed to give your life to Christ. It was the Holy Spirit revealing that to you. God the Father drew you. You went looking for God, and the Holy Spirit said, let me show this to you. Let me reveal this. The Holy Spirit actually helps us to know who God is. He helps us every step along the way. This is not in your notes either, but it's an important verse. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his grace when you believed, but you can't take credit for this, this belief, this faith, because that is a gift from God, literally given to you by God. Holy Spirit opened your eyes. It's a gift that each of us receives. So there are parts that God takes care of, parts that we take care of, and then we get to know God. Now, how do we do that? Several ways. Number one, we get to know God through his word, or as I would prefer to say, his words. When you, when you read 1 John, or John 1, and it says, in the beginning was the word, and it's speaking of Jesus, and then you talk about God's word, you have to be careful, those are not the same thing. So God's word, which I don't have a paper Bible. If I did, I'd hold it up so you got it. We, we refer to that as God's word, right? But it's really God's words. It's what God expressed. It's what God said as distinguished from the word, the revealed word of God, which is Jesus. That in mind, Hebrews 4. The, world, the word, the utterance, the message, the divine declaration of God, the word, is powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. How many of you, since you found the Lord and you started reading the Bible, realized as you read those things that you got issues and you've got things God wants from you and you got things you need to take care of? That's what the word of God does in this whole process. It's interesting, isn't it? It's complex, but God uses all of these things to help us to know him. First, or rather, 2 Timothy 3. All scripture, all those words, all those declarations of God, all scripture is inspired, breathed into. God breathed that, that into those who wrote. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the Father draws, we seek, Holy Spirit reveals, and then we get to know God and we grow in God through, among other things, his word. I've told you before, some of you can sit there and say, yeah, 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 you've said that before. I want to tell you, you can't possibly progress in your Christian life. You can't possibly live this Christian life if you are not spending regular time in God's words. You just can't. If you're like me, you just want all this to be like autopilot. Hey, Jesus, I give you my life. Make me what you need me to be. And poof, I wish he would just do that. But he doesn't. 
I'm required to continue to seek him. I'm required to continue to read his word. And I want to encourage you, if you want to grow in knowing God, in understanding God and what he wants of you, if you want to grow in your knowledge of God, but if you want to also grow in relationship, that kind of knowing of God, spend time in God's word. He's spoken. He hasn't hidden anything to us. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we've got a Bible for you. Get it anytime that you want to, but out on your way out tonight or on a Sunday out at the, out at the corner, we have uh, New Living Testaments. We'll give it to you. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to buy it or anything. We'll give it to you because we're convinced we, we so much want every believer to be regularly in the Word of God, in God's Word. So we get to know him by, by his words, by his word. Number two, we get to know him by regularly worshiping him and doing life together with his people, the church, 2 Corinthians 3. So all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You should reflect God to me, and I should reflect God to you. That's a part of what happens as we are transformed into the image of God. One of the ways that we get to know God even more is as we experience him through his people, through those who bear his image. I want to tell you, that's a really serious thing. You know, the world world likes to say, oh, is that how a Christian behaves? Oh, and you call yourself a Christian? Because every moment of every day, we are representing the kingdom of God. We are, we are, we are, reflecting the image of God to the world. I don't know about you, but I find that a huge responsibility. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? But let me tell you something. The more you get to know God, the more you get to know God's word, the more time you spend with God's people, they reflect the image of God to you and you reflect the image of God to them. We all grow and we all get to know God even more, right? So, so there are things that God does, things that we need to do. find my spot. Number six, Jesus prayed that we would know God. It was a part of his prayer for his disciples and by extension for us. John 17, 1, after saying these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one that you've given to him. There's that drawing part, and then Jesus saves. And this is the way to have eternal life. Say it with me. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one that you sent to earth. Jesus prayed that we would know God, and he told us, If you want to see God, look at me. But his purpose in coming was so that we might know God, the true God, because when we know God, it changes everything, doesn't it? If if I find out how I'm supposed to be like God, I change, but I can't change if I don't know how God is and what he wants. And so it's really important that we take the time to know God. And Jesus prayed that we would know God. It changes everything about how we view life, how we view the world, and everything around us. Number seven, we come to know him so that we can reflect him. I talked about it just a minute ago. 
Our purpose is that we might reflect the image of God. One of the most interesting stories to me in the Old Testament is where Moses told God, hey, you know, could I just see you? Could, could you just kind of, could I, would it be all right if I see you? Remember, remember, that was a big ask in those days because it was fairly well known that no man could see God and live. And Moses, who was known as a friend of God, he, he asked God if he could see him if he could see God's glory, if he could see his image. And God replied, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let my glory pass by you. And this is a really incredible verse, Exodus 3, 5. And you know, it's then the Lord came, I can only, just kind of theater of the mind. Just, Just let yourself envision this. I don't know that any movie could do this well. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. And he called out his own name. Why did he do that? So that Moses would know him, would understand what it was that he was seeing and what he was experiencing. He called out his own name, Yahweh. What does Yahweh, what is that? I am that I am. Some translations would say it's I will be what I will be. That's God's name, Yahweh, Jehovah. So God says, okay, here I am. Let me introduce myself to you, Moses. Yahweh. I am that I am. That's my name. And the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord. And then he said something about himself that's really, really remarkable. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. The first thing he said about himself as he was basically introducing himself, making himself known to Moses was compassion. Isn't that amazing? He didn't say power and might and majesty and all that kind of stuff. The very first thing he wanted Moses to know and for us to know is that he's a God of compassion. Why is that? Because it is, it is his compassion that fuels and drives all of the other things that he says about himself in the rest of this passage. passage. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. He's merciful because he's compassionate toward us. And then he goes on and says, I'm slow to anger. Why? Because he's compassionate and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. If you didn't catch it, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness is what we read about earlier. Remember I said, remember this line that John was speaking about Jesus, who is one of the persons of the being who is God. I am filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I don't excuse the guilty. I'm grateful that the, God, that the Lord put that in there because you could get the idea, oh, he's such a great guy, he's gonna let everything slide. No, no, the guilty don't get forgiven except through the sacrifice that Jesus provided. So it's not that he never does, but what he's saying is I'm gonna count, uh, account the guilty guilty but I will lavish unfailing love and forgiveness and compassion and mercy for thousands and thousands of years. God wanted Moses to know. No, he wants you to know that that is the God that you serve. That is the God of this world. Isn't it interesting? Revealed his character by first saying he was compassionate. The Hebrew word for that says, I am full of compassion, filled with compassion. And all the other characteristics are a result of that. Merciful, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. 
So let me ask you as we stop just midpoint, we're not done, don't anybody leave, but let me ask you something. Do you know God? Do you know that God as he revealed himself to Moses? Is he an angry, vengeful God to you? Or is he the God who wants you to know that he's compassionate and full of mercy and long-suffering and ready to forgive? Do you know that God? Is that the God that you see in Jesus And as one who bears the image of God to the world, is that the God that they see through you? Don't answer me. That's just for you to ponder and consider a little bit about. By the way, finally, God wants to know us because it's his intention to live with us. Would Would you even think for one moment of living with someone you didn't know? You'd rather not, right? How do I know what this person is like? How do I know if I can keep, have to keep one eye open at night? Or how do I know they won't walk off with my stuff? Or how do, they know the, how do I know they'll be kind to me? Most relationships require that we know somebody. Trust comes from knowing somebody. Love comes from knowing somebody. To know, know, know you is to love, love, love you. And I do, and I do. It's an old song for those of you who don't know. It's no extra charge for that. God wants us to know him so that we will love him because his intention is that one day we will live with him. Exodus 29, 46, from the very get-go, God has been saying this to us. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Friends, the desire that God had to live with his people back in the days of the Exodus is the same desire that he has today and that he has for our future. Revelation 21, 3, end times, shows us that. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, is with men, among men, and he will live with them. He will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Did you catch that? He will live with us. He will dwell among us. We'll be there. We will be there. He will be there. (laughs) That's why we need to get to know that God that we're going to be spending eternity with, the God who's filled with compassion and love for us, unfailing faithfulness, He wants to, he plans on living with us. Zechariah 2.10, the Lord says, shout and rejoice, O beautiful Jerusalem, for I am coming to live among you. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord on that day, and they too will be my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies sent me to you. The land of Judea will be the Lord's special possession in the Holy Land, and he will once again choose Jerusalem to be his holy city. Beloved, God wants you to know him. Oh, I don't mean just know him well enough to trust him as as your Savior. He wants you to know him like he knows you. He knows you. He wants us to know him, and he's gone to great lengths to make it possible for us to know him, to understand him through his son, through the prophets, through his words, through creation. All of those different things have been one great big message that God gives to each and every one of us tonight. I want you to know me. 
I want you to know me. I want you to grow in me and know me better, but I want you to know me and I made it possible for that to happen. Now, as with all things, God doesn't just do it for us. We have to do our part. I want to know him more. Don't you? I want to know him better. Don't you? Our part, if that's the truth, if that's the case, is to seek him and look for him. Because the Bible says, I set it up so that you would search for me, so you'd grope in the darkness, so that you would seek me and find me. But the promise is, seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So how about you? What do we do? Jeremiah 29, 13. God makes this promise. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. The NIV says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So let me ask you something. Don't raise your hand. Don't answer me. This is for you to answer in your heart. Are you seeking him with all your heart? If we really want to know God, we need to seek him with our whole heart. We need to prioritize our lives. We need to do those things that help us to know him better and better, that not just help us to know him, but to grow in relationship with him. When Shelly and I got married 42, almost 43 years ago, I felt like I knew her fairly well, well enough to spend the rest of my life with her. But I have to tell you that through the course of time, as we've gone through difficult times and good times, as we've shared things together, laughed together, cried together, lived life together, I can tell you, I think I know her a whole lot better today than I did when I said I do 42, 43 years ago. It's the same way with God. We get to know him as we spend time with him, as we grow in relationship with him. And so Jesus came to show us the Father, to link us back to the Father, to to eliminate the, the barrier of sin so that we could see God, so we could know God. But God stands waiting and says, here I am. I've made myself known to you. Will you seek me? Will you come to me? Will you look for me? God said that he will be found. Proverbs 8, 17. I love all those who love me. Those who search will surely find me. Let me explain a little bit of that first part of that verse to you. It's not, I'll love you if you love me. What he's basically saying is, your love for me, I love you too. All those of you who love me, I love you too. That's what that verse is saying. And then he says, those who search will surely find me. There's a promise right there. As we seek God, as we look for God, as we attempt to draw close to God, we will find him. It's a promise. Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. So where do we go with this tonight? I want to remind you that God made the first move. God has revealed himself through nature. He's revealed himself through the prophets. He's revealed himself through his son. God has revealed himself. He wants us to know him. He's waiting for us to first, if you haven't already, have the sin barrier that keeps you from God removed through the sacrifice of blood that Jesus made for you. We celebrated this Easter, Jesus being resurrected, but before he was resurrected, he died. And his blood paid the the sacrifice price for my sins and for your sins. And we have to get rid of that first because our sin separates us from God. But if you will take that step, or if you have taken that step, then everything else is open. If you haven't taken that step right now, would you do that? The Bible says 
if you believe, just have faith, if you believe that God's, that Jesus is God's son, and with your mouth you'll declare him as the Lord of your life, you'll be saved. You can pray and not just receive forgiveness and salvation today, but a relationship with the God who wants you to know him. And if you haven't done that, I hope you will. But if you have done that, if you have taken that first step, I want to tell you, every single day of every single year of the rest of your life, we can know God more and more and more as we seek him and find him. We continuously seek God in worship. We continuously seek God in studying his words. We continually seek God in our relationships with other believers. I think I've told you this before. Uh, as we go through all of the, the things that we're going through with this pandemic, and so many people are suffering from depression and anxiety and all those things, and I don't know about you, I have, have you? But what we've learned, what we've learned in counseling and psychology is that the human brain, it's physiological, the human brain needs other human brains to help it become and stay healthy. And when we are isolated and by ourselves, we become unhealthy in our emotions and in our mind. But when we are isolated from other believers, we become unhealthy spiritually. I have real concerns about people who, who out of necessity, have had to be at home. Some of you are at home watching tonight, and this is not meant to condemn you. But for those who, 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 who are waiting for that day when they can feel that they can come back and be a part of the people of God, or even with a believer who lives on your street or in your house, we need other believers. We need other brains to be mentally healthy. We need other believers to be spiritually healthy. And so I want to encourage you, seek God's word. Pay attention to God's words. Seek relationship with others who bear his image and allow that to become not only a healing to you, but so that you can begin to know God better as he reveals himself to you through other believers who reflect his image to you. And in inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to you every day. Friends, you can, you can read every book there is out there. You can read every theological treatise. You can go to every conference that you want to, but you won't begin to understand the things of God until and unless the Holy Spirit reveals those things to you. But he wants to because God wants to be known. So what's, so what's the takeaway for this tonight, Steve? Here's the takeaway. God wants you to know him. He's done everything he can so that you could know him. And how about you? Are you doing everything you can to seek him and to know him as he does all that he can? We want to do all that we can. And I don't know about you, but I want to commit myself anew and afresh tonight to seeking him, to finding him, to knowing him. Because one day we'll live with him. He's a good and compassionate God who wants to know us. I want to know him more. How about you? Will you bow your heads with me tonight? Father, I thank you. You are good. You are faithful. The reason you wanted us to know you, the reason we can know you, is because you are filled with compassion and love and mercy and grace toward us. And God, you want us to know you. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to us through your prophets, through your words, through your son. God, we thank you for the opportunities that we have to know you even more. And we recognize that we need to do our part so, Lord, where we've been slack and, and, and in, in not spending time with you, not spending time in your word, not spending time in prayer, not spending time in worship, not spending time with other believers like we should, 
Lord, I pray that you'd quicken us today. I pray that you'd encourage us by your Holy Spirit. And as you give us opportunities to, to do those things that will help us to know you even better, we can't even do that without the help of your Holy Spirit. But I thank you that with the help of your Spirit, we can. So Holy Spirit, will you speak to each and every one of our hearts tonight? Will you show us those things that we need to do and can do with your help to know God even better? Lord, we want to know you even better I pray that you would help each and every one of us to do our part, that we might not only know you, but reflect your image to each other and to the world that so desperately needs to know you too. God bless us as we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.